0: such a pleasure to welcome you to this evening's performance, welcome you to this program, welcome you to the War Memorial Opera House here in San Francisco. I'm Mary Wood for the San Francisco Ballet, and we are beginning uh, San Francisco Ballet's 83rd repertory season, and this is our first Points of View program for the season. This is Wednesday, January 27th, and it's 2016. Um, This is a season that has some wonderful repertoire as, I have to make sure this is close enough. Is everybody hearing okay? Okay, good. Um, This is a season with the usual wonderful repertoire, but it's also the season in which we celebrate the 40th anniversary of our fabulous San Francisco Ballet Orchestra. And I know that that will be a feature for us to think about all season, but we will be uh, paying special attention to them in one of our Points of View programs later in the season. As many of you know, these um, many of these lectures and interviews are recorded, and then you can go to the San Francisco Ballet's website, sfballet.org, to find podcasts. And, of course, I always encourage you... to review programs that you enjoyed or catch programs that you might have missed and when you're anticipating a program you might be able to do a little research by checking out the website and these podcasts. It's always a pleasure to see old friends in these audiences. I would like to welcome any of you who are newcomers and then of course to welcome any. who might be listening via a podcast. For those of you who are newcomers, I might um, mention that one of our favorite aspects of these is the opportunity to ask questions of the people with whom I'm in conversation. And to make that work the best, what we've discovered is we have a standing mic here, right smack in the front, at the foot of the aisle. And we will ask anyone who has a question to please come to that mic. So as you're listening to our conversation and you're thinking of questions, start anticipating that you'll want to get up and move to where you can approach the mic for questions. This evening, we are going to enjoy a reprise of the always popular Rubies, choreographed by George Balanchine to the wonderful music of Stravinsky, And that will be followed by a revival of Drink to Me Only with Thine Eyes, the only ballet this season by popular choreographer Mark Morris. And then we will all be treated to the world premiere tonight of um, the second ballet created for San Francisco Ballet by the extraordinarily popular young choreographer, Liam Scarlett. The ballet tonight is Fearful Symmetries to music of John Adams. Scarlett's first piece, as you recall, was the very popular Hummingbird uh, two seasons ago that was encored last season. So I will be in conversation this evening with folks who are really going to have a lot to be able to say about Fearful Symmetries. I'll start introducing Lorena Fejo, who has been a principal dancer with the company since she joined in 1999. But who's counting? Nobody, I hope. Um, Of course, we know Lorena for her extraordinarily wide variety of roles, especially dramatic roles, but also uh, in contemporary expression. So I mean, you're to hear your reflections about this piece, particularly. And um, she will be actually performing in this evening's uh, premiere of Fearful Symmetries. So that'll be a, a treat. On both ends of the evening. And then, thank you so much for being with us, Felipe Diaz. Some of you who are longtime ballet patrons will recall when Felipe was a dancer with the company. Felipe went off, had an extensive international performing career, and has returned to the San Francisco Ballet. This is now your third season back as one of the Ballet Masters and Principal uh, Company teachers. So thank you both,
1: Felipe Thanks. and thank Lorena. you. We're so thrilled to have him,
2: all of us. <laughs> Same, likewise.
0: Yeah. So um, now the things that we want to know are. Um, how to help us enjoy this new piece, things that you can tell us about Fearful Symmetries and working with Liam Scarlett and interpreting that music. Um, The John Adams music is not not just this piece, but his music is not unfamiliar to San Francisco Ballet patrons. So what's going to make this particular evening special? Um, I can shuffle my cards or I can just ask Felipe, why don't I start with Felipe? Um, Your role is that of ballet master, which means that you are working with the choreographer. And it occurred to me to uh, wonder if you could tell us, having been a dancer performing in the ballets of great choreographers all over the world, how has it been to change what side of the room you're on and become the ballet master for these great choreographers?
2: Well, I think um, it's all a matter of perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once you separate yourself from being a dancer and you're now in the front, um, you gain perspective and you gain a little bit of distance and things are very clear, very evident. Um, And then again, um, you also feel very connected to what the dancers are going through just because it feels very recent to me. I didn't re- uh, retire from dance very long ago, mm-hmm. so it still feels quite close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I get um, very much into their dance and very sort of passionate about their work, their rehearsal process, and obviously their performance. Um, every, every choreographer is very different um, in the way they work um, and as a ballet master, I have found just through trial and error and my, my own personal experiences that uh, one has to become very sort of sensitized to each, uh, each choreographer's way of working. Um, some want a lot of help, some want very little help, uh, but you should always just be there supporting, Mm -hmm. helping as much as you can. Maybe sometimes uh, less actively than others, but always there supporting.
0: I think it must be, um, I I wondered when I thought about you going into the room and I thought, do you prepare yourself differently? You say the choreographers work differently. Do you prepare yourself differently when you walk into a room? For instance, you know you're going to work with Liam Scarlett. how do you prepare to walk into that rehearsal?
2: Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, if it's the first time working with that one choreographer, it, it takes a little bit of time, you know, for for the relationship to build and to know each other. Um, with Liam, you know, our first time working together was uh, with Hummingbird, but uh, it was very evident to me and, and it was very quick that we connected Uh, very well, and that I understood him, and that I knew what he required of me, almost in a silent way, without him even having to ask me. I felt like I was um, on the same plane with him, as far as what he needed from me. Um, So now, having worked with him, for Hummingbird um, and being part of the Frankenstein um, um, rehearsals we had in London, and now here for Fearful Symmetries, I feel even closer. And uh, so I, I I know what he what he's expecting of me. Uh-huh. And I know what he requires.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're going to lift something he just dropped, which was a conversation about Frankenstein. We're going to put it over here and maybe come back to it. That's a fascinating thing. Um, Lorena, almost in the same vein, uh, you have worked with countless choreographers and in a huge repertoire where you have had to learn existing roles and you have created roles. And so asking you the same question, when you walk into the room with a new choreographer, maybe an unfamiliar choreographer, how do you prepare?
1: And I think... Part of what Felipe does is what we all do, and uh, it helps tremendously to be intuitive, and that's what this guy is, right? So he was saying sometimes you rehearse with people that want more help or more input, and sometimes those people, even the same person on a different year with a different ballet, wants a little bit less input, or, and for that you have to be like a feline, you know? It's a little bit like you gotta be on guard and very. Uh, susceptible to everything that is happening around you. And I think that's, first of all, you have to just be you. I think you, you can't pretend to be who you are not. That's a really great recipe for failure. So whenever I work with somebody, I just offer the best of me. And of course, it's tremendously incredible to work with people that can't really get who you are. And by doing new pieces on you, uh, make that shine or just um, present you at your best, I would say. Liam is super special because he's a very young choreographer, but he's really a one-man show. The guy is super smart. He has his act very together. He's very musical. He wastes no time. He, um, he, he's already planned in his head... Uh, what I think he wants or envisions. And so when he works with us, it translates very well. You know, it really, he's also like Felipe a little bit, like, uh, you know, he didn't stop dancing so long ago. So he's el- able also to demonstrate the steps and the intention of them. And that's very important to a dancer because I think, for example, the piece that you're gonna see tonight is very, it's very much like him in a way. He's very sensual, but very kind of like subdued. It's this kind of raw, almost like animalistic power with the British outside tea time. So, you know what I mean? (laughs) Those two are very counter, uh, you know, uh, ends. Uh, But he has them both. And I think it's it's amazing because there is a lot of uh, strength in his work, without being a slap in your face. It if you know what I mean, it's it's very well conquered. Um, talking to him not long ago, he was a little concerned and he said, I, I hope that people are open to see something different because Hummingbird was my first work here and it was so greatly received, but it's completely different to what I'm introducing to to the audience today and you know this season. And I think that's a beautiful thing. I, I don't think that it's a, it's a bad aspect. I said you should just enjoy that you are able to do so different, so well. So, you know, Humming was very lyrical and it had a lot of like fun parts and the last movement was a little bit more Broadway, sort of that kind of beat, happy beat. And this is a little bit like darker, but like very powerful, very intense. Um, but very also internal, right? It comes from something within you and not just an exterior thing. So um, he's very straight, and if you wanna know what he says in one of the rehearsals, everybody was a little like, because he said, I want want you to sometimes intimidate the audience, and I want this a little bondage. So (laughs) that is a strong statement. But I think at the same time it's very sensual. I don't know if you agree with me, but it's it's, it's not like I said, it's not a slap in your face. It's very classy. It's very intelligent. His work is very intelligent. And then, and I'm gonna stop right here. I said he's a one man show because a lot of ballets that I seem to rehearse and see in the studio look amazing. And then they come to the stage and for some reason fall apart in the area of the costumes or the lighting or the designs, and and you wish you guys could see them in the studio and not on stage. And this is something that has always made me so incredibly respectful and an admirer of his work, that he does it all. You know, when you think, oops, something is gonna fail because it's too perfect till now, then he still surprises you with great design, great music, great choreography, great lighting, Um, so. The total picture um, yep. Felipe,
0: as you were um, preparing to work with Liam Scarlett on this piece, do you begin by becoming familiar with the music yourself? Um, the music, I think, is one of the uh, the big, bold type elements to this piece, the John Adams score. Um, tell us a little bit about the score just so we know what we're going to hear and then how does Liam relate to the music and how does he bring it to the audience through dance?
2: Well yes I did um, try to prepare by having um, listened to the music quite a few times and just familiarizing myself with it you know, that's one definite uh, aspect that's quite important, is to be um, very much aware of the musical uh, spectrum of the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, um, well, about, about the piece uh, of music, it has, it has uh, been choreographed uh, several times uh, I be- uh, quite a few times, I, I believe, um, w- the ones that I know are a while ago for the Royal Ballet and for New York City Ballet, um, by different choreographers, obviously. But there, were, there, are, uh, there are others that were made. I'm, I'm not certain exactly by whom. Um, um, yeah, it is a very, very intricate uh, piece of music. Um, uh, I believe John Adams made it around 1988. Mm -hmm. Uh, after he made uh, Nixon in China. That's right. Um, um, And I actually, I I just discovered that he made this uh, piece uh, while he was in Rome at the American uh, Academy in Rome. And um, in what he describes as almost too beautiful of a setting, you know, to make this kind of piece. But this was sort of what was coming out from him uh-huh. Uh, after having done the first series of Nixon in China uh, on tour in the U.S. and in, and in Europe. Um,
0: Let me just quickly interrupt. Most of you probably know this, but uh, this is an opera that has been performed here at the San Francisco Opera, Nixon in China. Yes. yes. As well as, I think, in Houston. Yes. I may be missing. Anyway, so that it was a monumental work. Yes. And so I can imagine coming off of that would have been quite a place for your mind to be. Exactly. So, so Sorry he, for the interruption there. But no, no, no. Yeah.
2: Of course. So he was uh, still um, feeling like this was, this was the sound that was coming out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, was this kind of sort of um, what he calls um, traveling music. You know? Um, like music that has a sense of constant movement over a landscape mm-hmm. and he um, this was, was just coming was coming out uh, with a little bit more urban feel um, yeah the piece is very very intricate with so many different layers and and, and difficult uh, I mean uh, the orchestras playing it fantastic and uh, it's uh, speaking with some of the musicians um, it's also very difficult for them very difficult for for the dancers um, to uh, keep keep rhythm, keep beat uh, while doing the intricate movements and uh, uh, adding to that the nuances of the style and um, sort of the feelings that Liam wants to incorporate. Um, And to speak a little bit about Liam's musicality, well he is, as Lorena was saying, he's um, Incredibly eloquent and intelligent and highly intellectual person with a, with a, an incredible knowledge and sensitivity of music for his young age. You know, he um, and his musicality. Since you asked me, you were asking me about his musicality. It's um, incredibly layered. Um, of course, you see the obvious rhythms and patterns, but he can also uh, go much deeper into something that, oh, I would never think of that, or or that beat, or that rhythm, or that syncopation. Um, yeah, he, he's uh, amazing in that regard.
0: Lorena, you alluded a little bit to your feelings about the movement, but could you be a little more specific? I have just a couple of images taken from uh, rehearsals as I think we understand. Tonight is opening night, and so the ability for us to get photographs and images to show was um, non existent. So we have just these um, rehearsal images that show Liam himself with dancers in the studio, um, and I'm not sure if they really show us the type of movement. So, what I'd like you to talk a little bit more about just what kind of kind of movement, and also talk about the fact the women are not on point.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's a... The fact that the women are not on point is a real gift, you know, because most of the works that we end up doing is on point, and there is something very earthy and very almost, again, feline or like, you know, if you think of a tiger of like, that when you see women, or you see men all the time doing that kind of work on stage, but you see a little bit less... Um, often happens with women and Nacho Duato and Yirikilian have a lot of ballets like that and I think part of their groundness and their almost like um, just sauvage I don't know like wild uh, aspect of that and when you see their women they look so powerful and so like almost like they have gloves in their feet and you know they speak with their feet
2: control with the
1: floor exactly that that (laughs) resistance Mm -hmm. and Felipe was saying control with the floor Um, has a different It just gives a different mood, I think, in general. Um, Also, you're less up. You know, you're less always on on your, being on your toes, I mean, invariably, you have to be always lifted and up, and this gives you the possibility of, of like, skimming the floor and being, like, just terrain and, like, earthy and grounded. His movement is just him. I think it's him. When you watch him move, it's just delicious. I mean, like, I don't know how to express it. Like sometimes, you know, those questions when they tell you, "Can you give me in one line or in one word what this man is?" That's the word. He's he is an amazing partner too. That's why I think, you know, there is certain uh, pyrotechnia to his work, which is Felipe can tell you about too. For guys, is is rough because we have lifts and throws around and swirls at no time. Uh, this this particular ballet is quite quick. So I think he's able to imagine that because he's able to do it and he's able to execute it. And when somebody goes like, oh, I don't think he goes like, this is what I want. And in, in a second, um, I have also worked with incredible partners and strong people and he is so strong. But the strength comes from doing the things the right way right it's it's not just pure lifting 200 kilos it's just how do you get those 200 kilos up and it's shaping your body and one of the things that I have encountered incredibly effective especially for the boys we've had rehearsals where he has asked the boys to leave the girl and we stand on the side and he's like now you're going to do this duet like you're dancing with a woman without her So that's incredibly difficult Mm -hmm. because this is weight that you have on top of you and you take shapes that are much easier when you have a body with you. Yet when you watch him do that, you can watch him for an hour. It's like that's as interesting as having a woman being lifted. And that's, that's him. And that's the beauty of his work. And if you're able to sort of understand that and incorporate it in your dancing, it's I think it just translates and it resonates amazingly for me it's just a gift having worked with so many people and I seriously can tell you that whenever I dance one of his pieces I'm like a little kid I'm like my daughter going like we're going to the park today that's my feeling it's (laughs) like wow I get to dance this and it's there's so many ballads that give you pleasure but it's different pleasure we were talking about she was saying oh my god you are on tonight how can you know how can you be doing this and it's because it's true fun it's like and it's less uptight than Sleeping Beauty you know like if, <laughs> if I were to be doing Rosa Daggio or like something of that caliber Swan Lake forget it but I don't know doing his stuff is true joy from my heart, from my heart and my body, and it reminds me every time why I do this. It reminds me every rehearsal, every single time I am working with him, even if he's speaking, just not even moving. But the stuff he says, he's such a good motivator and inspirational person that I feel like I'm so gifted just like being there, being able to be part of the process and have true joy. And it just reminds you, this is why I first of all, at eight years old, wanted to do this. Thank you. It's just pure joy.
0: A Couple of questions have now come to mind. Uh, one is, we've preceded this conversation kind of with the assumption, this is not a dramatic piece, this is not a story. So do you think there is, and either one of you can answer this, is there any emotional content or does that matter that he has an intention of that or not? Will we carry away something like that? What do you think, Felipe?
2: Well, you know, some choreographers um, talk to the dancers and say, oh, my piece is about this, that, and the other. Um, He hasn't done this uh, in in this particular speech very much, Um, but I think everyone just, understands by, like, what is saying of when he demonstrates the words he uses in the rehearsal to, to push people, sometimes pushing them to their limit, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, um, so I think by doing so, people, and obviously the music, um, it's quite descriptive, you know, in, their, in the sound, in the, in the way you want to move. Um, Someone, uh, Natalia Makarova actually uh, was uh, very often saying this, you should act and dance like the music. It's telling you everything right there. It's Mm -hmm. telling you everything, Mm -hmm. how to behave. Um, So anyway, um, the music, his his words, his demonstrating, um, people I think get a sense of what the piece is about. Uh, what the piece uh, wants to accomplish. Um, he often uses the words, uh, as say, um said, um, confrontating, visceral, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. intimidating, exactly.
1: I, I agree 150%. I feel like when you're a little lost, and I have like sometimes young people that come and, can you coach me on this? Or what do you feel? What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to smile or to be? you know, coquette. And I'm like, I always go to like, if you don't know how you have to approach this, listen to the notes. Just listen to what the music makes you feel. You know, are you, is this a happy tune? Are there a lot of accords that it's like bubbly champagne? Or is this kind of dark and serious and profound? Is this solemn? Is this, and that's, that's, that's the great part of working with somebody musical mm-hmm. that feels the music because then he elaborates the steps. they do he doesn't elaborate the steps. I feel it's like almost like they come out of him like you know they just pour out of him because he's so in tune with what he listens to. Um, this is kind of a jazz I mean he has a lot of like saxophone in it. So if you go to like a jazz club or a jazz performance, you have this kind of groovy sort of soft feeling, um, candlelight, um, just aura that, that, that should sort of manifest all over the place. And hopefully you guys get into that mood too. I I feel that a lot of things are an action. Somebody, I mean, sometimes speaks more than a thousand words, right? So sometimes it's the same with us, like a note, a feeling is transmitted out of just listening or feeling instead of like explaining it or being so literal about it and that also gives you the space as an audience to interpret it a little bit your way right it's not so dictating what I want you to feel it's like this is what I feel how about you are you with me and that's that's what I think this piece is about I want to call
0: say a couple of things here. Call your attention to the program notes written by uh, Cheryl Oslo, which are always excellent, but she uh, throws out a phrase, and she just says, everything in moderation most definitely does not apply. And I thought that was a great way to capsulize. And you have both illustrated what I think she was trying to say. Um, The other thing I wanted to do is... um, alert you all that we are very close to being able to ask you to ask your questions, so if you have been thinking about things you'd like to ask either Felipe or Lorena, you might even start now moving toward the center aisle so that you can come down to the mic in just a minute and ask your questions. We're looking forward to the things that you might want to know that we haven't gotten to. Before we do move on, um, you alluded to Frankenstein, that seems like an odd thing to just throw out there. So, what are we talking about? And I think this is really exciting to look forward to. Felipe, what are we talking about?
2: Um, well, Frankenstein is um, a collaboration between the Royal Ballet and the San Francisco Ballet. Uh, it's a co-production um, of um, the story of Frankenstein, um, and a, it, it'll be pre- it will be premiered in London. Um, this year, and then it'll be premiered in the North America here in our following season. Um, so yeah, it's very exciting. Choreographed by uh, Liam. Um, so yeah, it's going to be great.
0: So you mentioned that you've already worked on it. So well, what's that he, about?
2: He has already uh, begun um, the process of uh, choreographing the the work um, in London. So after um our Chinese tour, Um, myself and Francis Chung and Joseph Walsh uh, went to London and we spent two weeks there um, working with Liam and with the dancers from the Royal Ballet. um, While well, he was creating uh, not everything, uh, only, we were only there for two weeks, but uh, we covered quite a bit of material and, and we got to see the, the other dancers and, and what he was making for the group and the, um, uh, the family scenes and things like that. So it was very nice.
0: So we should probably review the fact that his home company really is the Royal Ballet of England.
2: Absolutely, yeah. He's uh, one of the artists in residence in the Royal Ballet. Absolutely.
0: And uh, we will obviously be talking a lot more about the piece Frankenstein in the next year or so. But uh, I'm just remembering that when we did a similar collaboration on Christopher Wilden's Cinderella, Mm -hmm. and it, it... Um, it emerged that there were some challenges to being in two places on the opposite sides of the world choreographing one ballet. Well,
2: Um, that uh, one was a little bit different. Um, I was actually still working in Europe for the Dutch National while Christopher was making it both here and there. And the difference was that um, he made some of the piece here and he made uh, it was pretty much half and half half there half here in this case with frankenstein um I think because it'll be premier there uh he will work mainly with with them okay. um but yeah it was it was an interesting um and different and there were some difficulties to it, but I think it was a great
0: oh, well. success yeah the result was fabulous um So we've seen Hummingbird and that's one aspect of Liam Scarlett and now we're going to see Fearful Symmetries which sounds like it's quite different and then we can look forward to storytelling next season. How are we doing out there? Does somebody have questions? If you have a question would you please come to the to the mic now and let's get started on that. Someone is moving forward.
1: While well, she gets there, yeah. I just wanted to add that in one of these uh, conversations with Liam that he had with the board and the principal dancers and stuff, he just mentioned that not to be afraid that it was not going to be the Frankenstein monster movies that everybody is used to, sort of familiar with that it was more based on his love letters and the whole um, idyl. I don't know how you say that word in English but the, the, the romance and the the love letters that he wrote to, to her lover, so just think of it not as a monstrous, uh, that was not his main um, interest in, in the piece. its uh, I mean, research it and, and, and go to the website. I'm sure there will be notes and stuff, but it was more of a romantic story than a love story than just uh, the cables coming out of, and the doctor and the, <laughs> the monster. Mm.
0: Okay, can we have your question now and just step right up into the mic? Program One. Uh, he mentioned some things he uh, changes he'd made uh, to make the ballet easier, and one of them was, for instance, changing uh, a transition from a quarter note to sixteenth notes to make it easier for the dancers. And I've heard dancers talk about counting all the time. Is this something that needs? Is this something that's an issue with this dance? And do dancers have to have? minds that are different from the rest of us? Who can't imagine counting 16th notes? Um, In case everybody didn't quite get it, it it has to do with counting and how dancers count. And both of you, I know, have musical training. How can you explain counting and 16th notes and breaking down the counts?
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think every brain works differently, including dancers. I know that there are dancers like Joan Boada that never counts for his life. And I am part of that club if you let me um, I'd rather go with with rhythm I'd rather even learn things on rhythm and no numbers I hate concentrating on numbers because it takes away to me from my enjoyment of the moment I'd, I'd rather you tell me this goes on ta 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 kick than one and two three four but some people are have more reassurance by having the numbers in their heads um, when you work with intricate pieces of music, not everybody has the ability to hear the pauses, uh, the sounds, uh, the notes a little quicker at the end of or at the beginning of something, so they do need numbers. Um, I think it's a challenge when we work at the pace that we work here, which is very fast. Um, honestly, for me, it's, it's worse to have numbers than understand rhythm. But it's, uh they're very, very well-needed technique for some people and for putting an ensemble or a group of people together where all minds are not the same or the preferences are completely different. So, I'm,
0: I'm glad uh, you addressed that. Felipe, do you want to add anything to that? I was thinking more from the point of view of the ensemble.
2: Uh, yes, well, th- this piece is, as I said before, dif- uh, musically difficult, and there are moments where you have to count there are moments where it's almost better not to count and hear uh, sounds, you know, you need sometimes maybe a musical cue here and there. Um, It depends, I think you have to be uh, flexible a little bit in that sense. As Lorena said, some dancers count, some dancers listen. I think in this piece you have to do a little bit of both. Um, To be honest, I think uh, some people have their ear better trained than others, but I think, yeah, in this particular piece, I think it's required both. You counting know. plus the sensitivity of listening to the sound and listening to the beat, whether accelerates or decelerates or right. holds uh, you know or you know
1: I honestly think at the end of the day, the best secret is to hear this score so many times that you get used to you get used to the the, the the sounds and when they come and if it's abrupt or not, but in a lot of instances, we don't have that luxury, and that's when the numbers become a treasure because um I tend to do that like there are parts where. If I need to count, I will count, and then I will stop counting and listening because that's an easier piece for me to listen to instead of trying to count. Um, but yes, we, we almost need to have a special sensitivity. With, with, we have to have a musical ear somehow. I feel we need to like music to be able to dance. Someone else is coming to your question.
0: Well, I have a couple of questions. Um, could you explain what a ballet master is? Like, What do you do? <laughs>
2: um, and I'm a master of ballet <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs>
0: in and then the time we have left is about, um, when. what does it really mean when a choreographer puts a ballet on you and then how does that
1: how does somebody else learn it
0: that's Three questions, Um, but thank you, and that will probably take us right up to the end of our time, but those are very good questions. So start with...
2: What are ballet masters?
0: um, Yeah, what is a ballet master?
2: So, well, um, a ballet master is many different things. Um, One of them is being sort of a psychologist (laughs) to dancers and... and (laughs) and are different moods on different days. But no, no, that's just joking. It's true, um, it is true. But uh, um, seriously speaking, um, no, a ballet master basically is the person uh, responsible for a particular piece, the person responsible for that piece Uh, whether it's a creation or a revival, for that piece to be brought back, um, put on stage. It's the person who documents, if it's a new creation, the person who documents uh, the piece so that over time, the piece remains and it doesn't dilute. And um, if we were to do this ballet, 20 years from today, I would have to be able to look at my notes, look at my videos, and be able to put this piece back together exactly as is. And that's my responsibility, and that's my duty. So that's one of the aspects of being a violin master, as well as uh, there's different terminology, I guess. There's also uh, the coach, coaching aspect. Uh, if you're rehearsing f- uh, ballets that require uh, uh, more sort of detail-specific coaching, like, uh, like more classical work, narrative work. Um, but basically, you are, the, uh, the French word is repetiteur, which means rep- repetitor, like repetition, you know, rehearsing, re- repeat things over and over. That's where the word is derived from. And so you rehearse uh, people and uh, coach them in specific roles. So that's a little bit of dif- two different aspects of being a ballet master. Um, and the other question was...
0: Um, there was What does it mean to have a piece set on you? So maybe you could... I think that's what I heard. Um,
2: having the piece set on, on the ballet master.
0: Um, no, I think on... On a dancer. Oh, on a dancer. Yeah. So Lorena, maybe talk about, um, in, you know, briefly, because yeah. we are down to Having about two minutes.
1: Creating on, created on you. That's always a very special um, gift, because you're working one on one with the choreographer, and he's like I said, you know, if he's a true, great choreographer, he can get the best out of you. And in case of, in the case of Liam, for example, wh- when I see the other cast do it. It's so wonderful. It's, it's, um, it's amazing that he hasn't worked with a company that long ago, but he still picks incredible people very different sometimes for the same part. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it works. So that's, that's an aspect that is uh, precious to all of us, working with somebody that is just creating on you. It's, it's a true gift. Uh, that's the best gift to a dancer, I think. Um, And and the contrast to having a work
0: created on you would be to learn a piece that's in the existing repertoire. And I think if you could briefly explain how that happens, um, a work is created, um, Frankenstein is created in England, and then the ballet masters are going to come to San Francisco Ballet and they're gonna
1: stage it, and you're gonna have to learn it. How How does that get transmitted? I think it's a little bit the job of everybody. It's, I think it's a little bit of how Felipe interprets and, and how accurate, which, by the way, is extremely accurate, takes the notes, and then he, he transfers them to us. And it's, it's our job to try to, as clean and as clear as possible, get that information, but also just mold it to who we are, you know, not to be like cookie cutter and not, to, I, I don't want to look like Yuan Yuan. I don't expect to look like, you know, she's beautiful in her own way. And that's the beauty of this roster of principles um, and core and solo is the, the variety. So I think it's, in a way, it's, 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 a, it's like having a great bank, you know, the treasurer and the person who takes care of the money, and then the person who's in the window dealing with, and then you, it's, it's kind of like that. It's a, and, and everybody has a great responsibility. So, I don't know if that answered your question, but. Uh, thank you.
0: Uh, before we do our final wrap up and say goodbye and move on, I do need to impart to you the um, exit choreography. Those of you who are old hands will remember this. Those of you who are newcomers, if you are holding a ticket for this evening's performance, you can exit out the side doors to your right, which is on the north, and then you can just proceed through the um, the ushers' areas to the lobby, and very shortly they will reopen the house and you can come in and sit in your ticketed seats. If you're not holding a ticket for this evening's performance we need to ask you to make a gentle exit into the night going off to the right the way you came in. I understand there are probably seats available for this evening's performance and so if you're absolutely intrigued and want to stay you can go out the front way and go to the box office and get a ticket and come back in. So now, what I want to do is say this evening's performance again, Rubies, Drink to Me Only with Thine Eyes, and then finally this great world premiere of Fearful Symmetries, choreographed by Liam Scarlett to the music of uh, John Adams. I want to thank Lorena Feho and Felipe Diaz for a wonderful conversation, and I hope they have helped your enjoyment. Of this evening's premiere. Thank you so much for coming, and we'll see you next week. Thank uh, okay. nice. you.